Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. Uh, today we have the static face of Blaze Ward, <laughs> who, who is joining us today. Welcome to the show, Blaze. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. And um, you are, I understand you are at a library right now, which is, which is uh, an interesting way to, to get your, your internet. And um, unfortunately, we weren't able to get the video connection to work, but we've got your picture up in your cover. Uh, showing for people to look at, um, so I'm happy to have you, happy to be able to talk to you at least and uh, have a conversation because you're doing some interesting things. Um, first off, can you tell I our audience it's... a little bit about um, yourself and um, what it is you write? So my name is Blaze Ward. I'm primarily a science fiction writer. I dabble in urban fantasy, regular fantasy, and a little bit of mystery from time to time, but I make my money in science fiction. I uh, retired from the day job two years ago as a database architect, and I live out on a farm in the middle of nowhere where they got very little internet access, which is why I'm in the library talking to you, because I got no bandwidth. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like a pretty good setup for a writer. Yeah. And my wife is also a writer. She's my publisher, Leah R. Cutter. Okay. She's my boss. That, there's a lot of power these days in, in the husband-wife team, and that's something that uh, mm-hmm. I certainly envy. That's a really um, cool setup if you can manage it, if you can get, get your wife on board, or if she gets you on board, whichever way started first. What does your wife write? She, she actually got me on board first. She published her first novel in New York in about 2000, uh, Historic Fantasy, Urban Fantasy. She's writing her 45th or 46th novel right now, but I'm going to catch her this year because I write faster than she does. That's fantastic. Yeah, one of the things that I noticed that when I went to your Amazon page and it showed the the various page options for your books, and and I saw 11 different pages of of content there and I'm like oh my goodness and of course you go to your website and there's you know at least I don't know what you've got nine different series or how many different completed series do you have? Completed series only four, ongoing series about a dozen more, long story, short story, novella. Um, I'm writing about a million two to a million four words a year right now. Wow. And that works out to 100,000 words a month, and I generally write 45 to 60,000 word novels. Okay, yeah, so, so yeah, relatively one, short. One or two a month. Which is fantastic. Um, it seems like a really interesting uh, way of producing. What's your writing day like? Do you dictate? Do you type? What's your what's your method? I get up in the morning, um, shower, breakfast, news, check my comics. Sometime around about eight o'clock, I start writing and hit. Four. Had a little bit of a connection issue there briefly. Something something blinked out. Um, but unfortunately, that yep. uh, that that happens sometimes, connection issue wise. But we are back. But um, you were in the middle of describing. So yeah, about your, four thousand words a day. Yeah. Yeah, four thousand words a day, and then by afternoon, I go into town and run errands, or do research, or I'm editing, or I'm doing covers, or I'm out on the farm with a machete clearing shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, it seems like a pretty good balance that you've got going on. Yeah. Um, and obviously incredibly productive, like we were saying, you got a lot of books, a lot of books out. But you're doing something else that I think is unusual, or at least um, I don't hear a lot of people doing this, is that you produce an actual quarterly magazine as well. Can you talk to people a little bit about um, Boundary Shock? Yep. So 
We discovered a couple of years ago that the tools for formatting a book with a program called Vellum mm -hmm. made it easy enough that I could drop a Word document in and have it formatted in EPUB, Mobi, and print in about 15 minutes. Yeah. And then a friend of mine started a company called Bundle Rabbit. And originally it was for bundling ebooks and selling them, but then he introduced a thing called collaboration. And what that allowed is that you could assign different percentages to all of the different authors mm -hmm. and didn't have everybody didn't have to do their own cover and their own formatting. They could just send me a Word document and I'd handle it. And then he takes 10% of the sales, which is a 10% royalty share accountant, and I don't ever see the money. Mm. So I just put them up. They go forever. Issue 9 just came out in January, and I'm working on issue 10 right now. Which so. is, yeah, I think it's an amazing. I remember the first time I ever heard about Bundle Rabbit. I want to say it was, it might have been Mark LaFave's podcast a long time ago. Or I remember Probably. I remember I was cleaning my garage at the time, and I actually like paused mid-organizing whatever I was doing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is a great idea. Like Someone has finally yep. solved this problem. Because... Before, if someone wanted to get into an anthology or do a group thing, someone had to be the designated accountant who had to actually yep. do the math and then actually issue checks or submit you know, Venmo payments or whatever it was they had to do. Someone had to do the accounting for infinity, I guess, constantly sending out these yep. small payments for each author who was involved. Unless you know, they just were putting it out there just for, you know, for free to generate you know, you know, interest or something. Um, so before, it wasn't a very good, good proposition for their authors or the person running it previously. Yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. you'd have to pay all the authors up front and then hope you made your money back. Ah, yeah, Here I can just that. do a royalty share. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, this seems like such a smarter way to do business. And, you know, you can yep. proposition authors who maybe have a bigger following and, you know, with a bigger percentage, um, but also still be able to include new authors who... You know, maybe yep. are just starting out, don't have any kind of following, uh, who are trying to you know go on the coattails with these, some of these bigger authors. Um, there's a lot of flexibility there. It sounds I haven't personally used it because I haven't set up any uh, bundle rabbit promotions or anthologies. But what are some of the things you're well, looking you for? Write? I write time travel adventure, so I'm a okay, I'm a sci-fi guy as well, um, so, and some speculative like alter, alternate history um, kind of adventure stories. I write adventure as a broad well, so category. Boundary Shock is themed science fiction, and I've got a closed anthology of 15 people. And what I did was recruited them and said, we're going to do four issues a year. Mm -hmm. I want you to promise that you'll send me stories every year, your choice. Mm -hmm. We'll put them up. I figured I would get about eight or ten authors every issue, and that would be about 50,000 words. I was wrong because everybody wants to play, and there's no restrictions, so they've gone long. Most of my issues run seventy to ninety thousand words. Oh wow! And because it's a rotating collection of who's putting stories in every quarter, like you said, I don't have to track the money. Chuck does yeah. for me. Yeah. And it's got to be so much fun that what I've done is started a second anthology series called Blaze Ward Presents. Okay. And the first one was just a running joke. There was a Venn diagram, and the circles on the Venn diagram were dermatologists zoologists, chemists, government agencies, and they all crossed in the center at moles. 
<laughs> so we did an interpretation of moles, and everybody had to have moles in their story. Interesting. Okay. Then we discovered Mexican sauce. Uh, Matt Buckman went insane with every possible definition in the Oxford English Dictionary in a military suspense romance story. Okay. But we do those every once in a while. I've got one coming up in about six months that we'll do. And the fun part is I'm working with Oregon Writers Network writers. So they're used to chucking out stories fast that are incredibly high quality. Most of these people I could say, okay, it's Friday. Could you get me an award-winning story on this science fiction theme by Monday? And the answer is yes. Wow. And so they're used to doing that. And so for the Blaze Ward Presents, I announced the first one on May 1st of 2019. I closed submissions June 1st, and I published it July 1st. That's marvelous. Yeah, that's incredible. And then I did the same with the second one. Number three is coming up this summer. So I will add you to the list of people who get a semi-open invite to submit if you want to play. I, I wish I that there was a possibility that I could write people. something small and short enough. I, I am a person who struggles to get something under 100,000 words. Uh, well, my rule with short stories is if you're going to make me read more than 20,000 word stories, I'm going to bitch at you. Yeah, yeah. But I, did, I did successfully write. I, I wrote an 18,500 word novella one time and I was incredibly proud of myself. Managing to wrap something up, yeah. but still well, the advantage of, the advantage of doing the collaboration is I'm not paying by the word; I'm paying you a percentage. Yeah. So your story can be two thousand words and it can be twenty thousand. You're going to get the same amount. I just have to read them all. Yeah. So we've got yeah. So Captain's Log was the first one. Tuesday after next, Grand Theft Starship. Uh, robots, androids, cyborgs, oh my, Boneyard of Lost Dreams. There have been, we've got themes out to 20 so far, and I'm working on issue number 10 right now, and I'm going to write my issue, my story for number 12 this week or next week. Yeah, I saw you had to schedule up on your website, which was great, and people can see when the next uh, editions are coming out and when to expect them, things like that. And uh, it's, yeah. it's fun having, you know, themed magazines. What, what gave you the idea yeah. to do this? I have been in love with the idea of doing a magazine ever since high school when I was the, uh, we did a literary annual in my high school back 30 years ago and I was the junior editor my junior year and I was the main editor my senior year and I've always wanted to do this. Uh, I stopped writing for anything about myself until about uh, six or seven years ago when I met my future wife, Donna, or Leah after Donna, and she's been a professional writer and convinced me that I could write. So that's when I started writing up again and selling the genre fiction, but I've always wanted to do the magazine. And one day we were, so she and I will take long drives, and instead of talking about sports or holidays or whatever, we talk publishing, because that's what we do. And we were driving down to Oregon to stay with a friend of mine's house for the Eclipse, because his house was about 150 feet north of dead center. Oh, wow. And that was an amazing thing. So we drove down and we were talking about, hey, did you know we could probably co combine this and this and this and this? And the more we thought about it, the more we realized all the pieces of technology existed. And it could be done. And I had so much fun that I actually wrote a book entitled How to Start Your Own Magazine. Okay. It's What's one of the book? business for breakfast series books. 
Okay. And it includes the contracts that I sent my authors. It includes the spec that I sent everybody saying, hey, would you like to participate? Mm. As well as all the steps and me writing everything up. And okay. I've had several people who have gone, ooh, maybe I should do this. Michael W. Lucas is never going to forgive me again because he's gotten the bug now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll have to post a link to the, to the book in the comments for this. And... Um see if you know people want to check that out and if they're interested in starting their own magazine what are some of the the pitfalls that you've found in getting started um, as far as if you have advice for people who are interested in potentially creating a quarterly magazine or just you know experimenting with this what are some of the things you can give advice about so the problems that I had starting out were people uh, mm -hmm. I approached a variety of writers who were all science fiction people but there were three or four making a living. There were about 10 on the verge of making a living or thinking about trad pub. And then I took a flyer on about a half dozen people who I believed could tell me interesting stories. Yeah. But what happened was we are non-traditional. It's royalty share. So you're not going to get paid up front. Mm -hmm. um, I'm generally profitable on the day I launch a magazine because it only costs me about $20 to put one of these things together at this point. Right. So I can make that back quickly, but they're going to make it back over time. We're not doing this for money. We're doing it for discoverability because you read it for my name and discover eight other people that you've maybe never heard of before. Mm -hmm. The problem is a lot of people want to do traditional publishing and we're not. They want to get paid up front because they don't understand the long tail of these are going to be up for sale forever. Right. And so you're going to keep getting a check from Bundle Rabbit every month until hell freezes over. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I'm lazy, so I don't edit. What I do is I take all the stories and I read them, and I have a particular style of editing in the emotional organization of my magazine. Okay. So the two strongest stories are first and last. What one do I want to set your tone? And what one do I want you to walk away going, oh my God, you've got to read this for this story. Yeah. And then everything else in the middle is a roller coaster. Yeah. And I, but I don't edit. I okay. assume your story is going to be good enough to be published. You're signing your name to it. There have only been a few stories where I've had to actually reject them from my people because they just didn't work. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I noticed. I, mean, I spent about. I was gonna say, yeah. you know, you have to be pretty trusting in that scenario, and and especially, I mean, one well, I noticed I was looking at the co the cover for Boundary Shock One, and you know, you've got you know, um, familiar with T. S. Paul, for example, but he's he's relatively famous for for approaching his writing with a sort of minimum viable product model. Um, he's been pretty open mm -hmm. about that, as far as like his sort of bare bones editing, if he does it, if he does edit. Mm -hmm. um, do you? Do you have to deal with that, like, and say, okay, well, there has to be some sort of minimum standard of editing that that we take, or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's got to be good enough that you would not be embarrassed to publish it. Yeah. And for most of my people, they are that good. I'm not their first reader. They have their own writing circles that they'll write it and send it to their circle and say, yeah. I need it back by this day so I can send it on to Blaze. Gotcha. And like I said, most of them are Oregon Writers Network people, so they're used to doing the Fiction River Anthology work. Yeah. So we're really high standards. There's, there's five or six of us who are making a full-time living from our writing in Boundary Shock. Yeah. That's Ron Collins, 
yeah. Buckman, me. Yeah, and of course he has Paul does very so. well for himself. And I, I've you know I've, I've sat down and had dinner with him. He's a he's an incredibly creative storyteller. He's, he weaves some yep. fascinating stories. So um, it's not to knock. I just wish he was still writing science fiction. Oh yeah, what's he writing now? Is it paranormal? Um, paranormal uh, adventure federal agent stuff. He actually right. walked away from the anthology after one year. Oh really? Okay. Because he just definitely not going to write any more science fiction. Yeah, I know he's made done pretty well for himself with a sort of a paranormal yes. FBI agent witch character. Yep. Um, and that's the series he's been pursuing. Yeah, that's the one that's all over the side of his van. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I think that's I think it's really interesting, and I think that it's it, like I said, discoverability is a huge problem for authors, and almost yep. like the more places you can be on the internet at once the better uh, in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, rubbing elbows with other people who are also, you know, wanting to achieve the same goal. Um, you're all in it together and trying to push something. And there's a lot to be said for having six or eight authors pushing a book instead of just one, just doing it, doing it on your own. Yep. Yeah. Frequently, I'm the only one really pushing. But the other thing that I'll do is I, I try and offer guest slots to people who are either writing something similar or people that I would like to give some exposure to. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Lauren Gilman is going to be in issue 10. Zigzag Claiborne was in nine. Dean Wesley Smith's going to be in 11 because it's a time travel issue. And that's what Dean does. Interesting. Um, I didn't know Dean Wesley Smith wrote time travel. Oh, his, he's got a whole series that are time travel back to the wild west. Kind of science fiction, kind of romance. Yeah, I read that in his cold book. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because like time, yeah, like I said, time travel is kind of my my genre, so I pay attention to it pretty well. I'll have to go check out some of that stuff. I'll definitely have to check out that issue when it comes out. Yeah, well, um, had I known you written, I poked you a year ago. <laughs> yeah, that would have given me time to try to come up with a short story because that's about how long it takes me to write one. Um, Unless I get it, you but know, as an editor, my biggest problem is generally herding cats. Yeah, the people that I picked for the anthology syndicate are all generally act like professionals, and I'd send out an email on the first of every month saying, "Okay, here's how many days until the next story's due, and here's the theme, and let me know where you're at." Mm -hmm. And they all trickle in at the last minute, or I'll get these last minute, hey, I, I realize the story's due tomorrow, I've got a pretty good idea, can I get it to you in like three days? Because i got to start writing it. Right, yeah. You're like the teacher, and, and they don't have their homework. Stories. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But, but it works. And I try and tell everybody, you can do this too, what you need is vellum to do your formatting. Mm. Um, there's a brand new tool that came out Monday. Are you familiar with Cover Brush? Book Brush? Or with the Book Brush people. Yeah. yeah. They yeah, released I... a new tool Monday called Cover Creator, and I was doing the betas on that. Okay. And so you can do covers. I get my art off of Pixabay for free. I can do uh, ebook covers. They are now doing print book and audiobook covers. So you can do good wraps for free. You just wow. got to learn the tool and have cover brush. Yeah. So that's your wrap on your print. That's your ebook cover. Um, Vellum to do your internal formatting. Everybody sends you stuff in Word, and BundleRabbit handles the rest. Yeah. 
which I think yeah. is an, an amazing time to be living right now as a writer because of the fact that these tools mm -hmm. have sprung up and that the people are mm -hmm. solving so many of these problems because um, yeah, I was, I was going to actually ask you about your covers because it, I got the impression that you were making them that yourself there and I was curious how, how you were coming up with the you know, designs on your own whatnot. But so my sense. wife actually does all the art. Okay. Leah is a fantastic, I, I refer to her as fabulous publisher, babe. <laughs> she is the publisher and she does the art. Um, Alison Longuera from WMG and Fiction River Generally, we refer to her as our niece. So we've consulted her and said, what do you think of this template design? And she's had some ideas because she's actually got a degree in magazine design. Okay. So we've tried to kind of follow Fiction River's format. Mm. And what happens is I'll sit down and find 30 or 40 pieces of art either on Pixabay or Dreamstime or Shutterstock and send those to her. And she'll call that down until she finds the cover. And then it's just a case of name, all the names, who's the essay, who's the special guest, and what we have, hmm. or the cover itself, the art. Yeah. Have you ever considered trying to go with, you know, like a big pro designer cover and, and see, if it, see, see if it makes a difference? Um, yeah, maybe, except I don't want to spend $1,000 on it. Right. And that's yeah. what big pros are charging me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sometimes you can get them for... You know, five hundred or something like that. But still, yeah, it's 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 pricey, especially if you go with the big the big guys. You know, the Tom Edwards covers and things like that. Those are mm -hmm. you know very expensive. And and with the amount of quantity you're putting out, if you're putting out two books a month, um, that obviously yeah. you know adds up pretty quickly. My, my my dream in life is to be able to get Scott Lockwood or Mark Ferrari to do me a cover art. They're both friends of ours. They're both oh, local nice. out here in Seattle. Oh, fantastic! But oh my God. Yeah. Five hundred to a thousand dollars piece of Todd Lockwood art. Yeah, yeah, it's different. I mean, somebody it's like me, I, I publish like you know a book once a year, so for me it makes sense to uh, to spring they, big money on yeah. a cover. Um, it would be silly not to. Um, well, but if you I want can, Mark or Todd's contact, let me know. Yeah, we'll have to I'll have to check out their stuff. I'm always interested in looking at different cover portfolios. I use uh, Demonzo, who I'm very happy with. I've, I've, I've loved all the work they've done mm -hmm. for me so far. But I always like learning about who other people are using because there's a lot of people looking for referrals. And, and you know, uh, I love having you know a variety of people that, to recommend, especially on this show and things. Like that. I like, I'm looking to actually interview some more um, cover designers. I'd love to get some more on the show. Um, I'd be happy to introduce you to my wife. She's done all of my covers. Yeah, I, I'm doing about this. my short stories that I'm selling off of my website directly, mm. but she does everything else. Between us, we're publishing about 35 to 40 titles a year. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because how do you how are you doing your advertising and pushing these guys? I mean, in turn, how much advertising do you push towards the magazine, and how how well do they do as far as a, a financial return? Like, if someone's looking to get into this, is it more a discoverability thing, or are you saying, okay, yeah, there's definitely a market for this? There is discoverability is the key behind this, mm -hmm. so I'm not looking at the profitability. Um, like I said, sunk costs on hardware and software cost me about twenty bucks a month to do my cup to do a or twenty bucks to do one of the covers. So I'll make that back. But mm -hmm. this is a stream of nickels, and I'm aware of it as a stream of nickels. I'm not going to get rich on a magazine. Nobody okay. is. Even the big magazines are in the process of going broke. Okay. The key is. 
I've got people from all over the world who some of them I just reached out cold called and said, hey, I'm doing X and you and I were in this other project a couple of years ago. Are you interested? Hmm. And that's how I got a couple of these people. It's it's all of my fans and all of your fans. I'd be curious if in the future there's going to be an ability to create a subscription service like on Amazon where you say, okay, well, this product comes out every you know quarter can mm-hmm. i just subscribe and save kind of a thing i wonder if they're, they're they'll ever offer to that as to us as authors according according to chuck at bundle rabbit he is in the process of going to launch a new service new company new website that is a 2.0 version with a different product name mm. and one of the things he's doing is actual subscriptions interesting so you'll be able to log in have the subscription, I'll put it up and say, it goes for sale, your card will be on record somewhere or whatever, and you'll just automatically get charged and delivered. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know when he's gonna do that, but I'm kinda his beta guinea for all sorts of things. That's his big thing, Q1. Do you use these I've been kinda his I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was gonna say, um, do you use these magazines at all for um, generating subscribers? for any particular email lists? Nah. No. Um, I have I, I have tried some of those put your book into this contest things mm-hmm. and every time I've done them it's dropped 15 or 20% from the time before in the number of good leads. Right, yeah. So I just continue to build my newsletter list organically. And that's why I do Boundary Shock. That's what Blade represents. That's why I'm selling off my website. That's why I'm advertising on Facebook and Amazon and all these other places. It is a stream of nickels, and enough nickels is enough to live on. Yeah. And I think that that's smart advice when it comes to the subscriber thing, because I think a lot of us are seeing over the years that you know the organic subscribers are worth their weight in gold, and mm-hmm. any, anything else is uh, eventually just going to be dead weight on your uh, subscriber service that you're going to be paying for. So um, yep. I think it's, it is very smart to... Um, I had a discussion with a marketing person not too long ago where they are saying, well, because you know, I've done this in one of my series where I have uh, a lead-in just in the beginning of my book, in the opening, you can um, get a free uh, short story a free novella that I wrote uh, just by in the, just in the look inside feature of my book. You don't even have to actually buy the book. You can get on Amazon, find the link uh, in the look inside, and go get on my list if you want that way for one of my lists. But um, one of my other series, I'm saying like, nope. The only way on the subscriber list from this series is at the end of the book, meaning you've actually had to have purchased it, read the whole thing, and gotten to the end, and then you can end up on the list. And I'm not. You know, I'm not giving any other way on the list. So that way, I, I know for sure that those people who end up on that list are absolutely people who have actually read the book and are ready for the next one. And I feel... I'm a little less militant. Yeah. But I'm running about a 35 to 40% open rate on my newsletters, and I'm doing those twice a month. Right, which is great. That's a great open rate. So, um, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think there's a mental shift happening in the indie author space about that because it used to be just more 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 we just need more readers um, and we weren't as you know specific on the quality but I think the, the longer you get mm-hmm. into it I think the more people are, are looking into that um, so yeah it's, it's, a, it's worth paying attention to at least um, 
I and I'm not it. trying to do the witch's hat. The what now? Good. You're not trying to do the what? Witch's hat, which is where you put a whole bunch of money into a single release like you're doing once a year. You've got to have marketing plans, yeah. advertising plans, and all of that. I'm dropping a new novel every month on the 10th. Hmm. I'm dropping Boundary Shocks quarterly on the 10th. I'm dropping Blaze Ward Presents. We're doing those two a year. Every month I'm trying to put a new short story up on my website for sale. I've got a Patreon that I put new stuff up a year before anybody else gets to see it, etc., etc. Nickels. But yeah. streams of nickels turn into enough money to live on. And do you see like sort of a steady increase in... Um sales from from release to release do you see a pretty good um following in terms of read through yeah um my jessica keller books just completed in december on novel nine and my read through from one to two is about 67 percent, and my read through from one to nine is about 55 percent oh wow yeah, so, so you read book one i've got you hooked yeah you're going to read all the way through my whole series yeah. I'm a good enough storyteller to stand up with anybody. Right. And that's the key. I mean, it really, it really just comes down to story. If you, if you nail the genre, if you target the audience, and you really go after the people who really want what you've got, then there's no reason why mm -hmm. you shouldn't be great. And that's, that's fantastic. Um, so yeah. that's... Yeah, and it's and I'm I'm very envious of your production, the amount of, the amount of books you're able to put out in a year. I think that's uh, tremendous. I, I only wish I could have that many books out. So, well, I don't have a day job anymore, so I <laughs> write. A, that does help. Congratulations on that. Congratulations on being able to do Thank this you, sir. You know, full time for two years now. That's that's pretty great. Because um, <clears throat> you know, it's just you know, th this industry changes so fast, and there's a lot going on. Um, even just in the time I've been doing this, you know, there's been a lot of trends up up and down, and um, you hear a lot of stories about people who you know haven't been able to to maintain it. Um, so that's great. Though, like I said, and I think that. Um, one of the frequent discussions I have with people is like, well, you can either have a really well-tuned machine that you know gets a lot of juice out of every orange, or you can just have a lot of oranges, and then you know, yes, the the machine doesn't have to be nearly as well-tuned. You know, it could you just have volume, and you're still going to get way more juice out of it. Um, and, I, and that's I think that there's there's a balance somewhere there, and I think that you're mm -hmm. you're on the on the plus side of that equation right now. Um, just because but of the also, volume you have. My approach is I would rather be rich than famous. Hmm. A lot of people get into writing, they want to be famous, so they go trad pub and they want to walk into a bookstore and see their books and have book signings and be famous. Right. You can't walk into any bookstore in this country and find my book on a shelf. Right. With two possible exceptions. I know one in Enumclaw, Washington, and theoretically somebody said they had a copy of Oberon at Powell's Books in Portland the other day. There you go. That's it. Yeah. I'm yeah, making all my living on Amazon and yeah. yeah, exactly. And it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a matter of what your goals are for sure. And not to say there's anything wrong with people who want to, you know, go become famous. And if that's your goal, that's your goal. But, yeah, I think there's um, a lot of lot to be said about happy anonymity. Um, like I said, you've got your farm. You can go escape from even from the Internet where you're at and go yep. right with your wife and it sounds like a pretty fantastic setup if you ask me it is yeah i want to be bernie topin grow up 
So in terms of, of writing, you, you're able to write a, you're able to do something that I wish I could do, which is write a, a, a compelling short story in you know forty thousand words. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any advice on that for people like me who struggle to write something that short? Like how you uh, come up with a story hook, um, develop it, and finish it off in such a short amount of time and have it be a satisfying read? So Lester Dent and the seven-point plot structure. Okay, a no, character who's interesting in a setting that's deep and they have a problem. And so... I actually, I've written a book on this, but it's the seven-point plot structure. Seven-point plot structure. All right, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, and the key is simply they have a problem, they try something, and it fails. Right. And it generally makes things worse than there was before. Mm -hmm. And so they try something else, Mm -hmm. and that fails, or it doesn't. And the number of try-fail cycles is the length of your story. And they keep getting bigger, but in a 4,000 word short story, with the one thing that I tell people, if you want to practice short stories, mm-hmm. um, John Helfer's taught me this one. One, two, three. One problem, two characters, 3,000 words. Interesting. Okay. If your plot description includes the word and, it's already too long. Ah. The exercise that I give people, write me a mugging that never leave an alleyway. Okay, yeah. It's, it's, that's, so and that's scope scope is a big part of this. Like keep the scope narrow. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's yep. that's fascinating. Keep it keep it focused on one interesting character, and cliffhanger the hell out of every chapter. Yeah, it's... I've I've hooked people that they'll sit down and I've heard this more than once. They'll just read one more chapter before bed, mm-hmm. and then it's two in the morning. They finish the book. My brother-in-law bitches at me regularly about this because yeah. I kept him up all night reading a novel. Which is the greatest compliment any novelist can ever get, I think. Absolutely. Is that I stayed up all night reading your book. That's, uh, yeah. I love, when I get a review like that, it just it warms my heart. You know, I don't care yeah. the entire time. And then for me, I also, I also write series blocks. So my long shot books, the, the last one's coming out in a couple of days, it's a six novel story that's about 250,000 words, but it's broken into six individual novels that are all self-contained. Okay. Actually, this is long shot. Long shot, six of them, and they're 60,000 apiece. So that's probably close to 400,000 words. But it's tell an individual story, wrap it up, tell the next story. Yeah. But I don't meander because I don't have a target word count. Is if it's more than forty thousand words, the Hugo Awards consider it a novel. That's it. Hmm. Well, yeah, hey, you gotta gotta have a line somewhere, and if that's you know, and that's the finish line you're trying to get across, then it gives you a nice, compact way to try to structure a story. I, I think I believe it's mm-hmm. much harder to write short than it is to write hard, or write long rather. Um, in my opinion, and- I think having more space sometimes does you a disservice um, because you can become long-winded. You're your plot can become a bit of a slog sometimes if you don't keep up the, the pacing. And by, by constricting you know, the finish line and the start line and squeezing them together a little bit, um, it makes you become a more efficient writer. And um, like I said, I think it's, it's a skill. Yes, but at the same time, 
by Jessica Keller, book nine is the capstone of a total of 14 titles and over a million words. Mm. And I was hard pressed to keep it under 150,000 words because I had so much ground to cover and so yeah. many people. Because one of the complaints of book eight was I left all these threads up there and not yeah. resolved because people didn't realize that this is only book eight. Right. Book yeah. nine, every single major character got resolved. And then I spun it together and opened it up so that I could write a whole other series later with some of these characters going off exploring other things. Yeah, yeah. But Jessica is done. So. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the nice thing about sci-fi readers is we will read long books. Um, there's not mm -hmm. uh, a problem with that. And I found that some, my most popular book I've written is 200,000 words. So it's a, it's a awesome. doorstopper. But... Um, you know, it's 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 popular. People like it, especially in KU. Do you put yourself in KU, or do you, are you wide? I, I do not. I'm wide. I believe in everybody who wants to read my stuff should be able to. And while KU's big, last time I checked, it's only available in something like 20 or 22 countries. Mm. Yep. And that's it. Yep. I get weird sales on Kobo in strange places. I have a fan in Trinidad and Tobago who buys my books because I see them. There's one fan in Brazil. Yeah. He or she buys it when it comes out. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's great that they give you a little map. So, you know, you can track your sales and uh -huh. see where on where in the world they're coming from. I think it's fantastic. Plus I'm in draft to digital because they put me everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. They're good guys over there. We we really like Mark and Kevin and Dan, and um, love oh, getting yeah. to hang out with them whenever I get a chance. They're real, really good people. So they're superstars this weekend. Oh yeah. Um, for people who are interested in your books, they want to check out some of these anthologies or some of your collections. Where's the best place for them to go and find your work? So for me, it is BlazeWard.com, all one word. The magazine is BoundaryShockQuarterly.com. Uh, I don't have a website for Blaze Ward Presents, but if you look for an interpretation of moles or I like my science mad, you'll find us. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on the show today and, and hang out and um, chat about this. I, I think, I'm sorry we couldn't get to see your actual face on Book Faces Live here, um, but we'll hope, hopefully have you on again. Today. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I got the briefest glimpse of you right before the camera turned off, and then, uh, you know, from I don't know if it's bandwidth issues or whatever. But uh, hopefully next time we'll have you back on the show again sometime in the future, and we'll, we'll uh, you know get to see your face. And uh, until then, yep. um, you know, people can just go find you online and, and check out all your stuff. And thank you for having me. Absolutely, yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, thank you, everyone out there listening. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. If you've enjoyed the show, uh, feel free to share it somewhere uh, get in with another author friend or, or somebody you think might be interested in these uh, fantastic books. So thank you all, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you again next week for another episode.